You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. We're in this series called Fully Charged, and first week we talked about looking at how to have margin in our and our schedules. How do we slow down to have margin in our calendars? And we, and we talked about the pace of Jesus. And when you and I slow down and have margin in our calendars, then we use that margin to have and build healthy relationships. And that's what Pastor Harvey talked about last week. And if you didn't hear the message, he did a great job. I want to encourage you to go back last week, listen, great job. And then as you have healthy margin in, in your calendar and healthy relationships, then the next thing is, is we want to have healthy financial margin. And anytime I say this word right here, it's like a, a to some of y'all, it's like a cuss word in the church. Anytime I say this, I, I like new people or like people that are new to the faith, they get uncomfortable. Here we go again. The pastor's going to talk about money and man, I don't want to hear it. And let me just tell you, this is not a message of something that we want from you. This is a message of something we want for you. And everything I'm going to teach you today comes straight from the word of God. And, and for me, this is very personal because this is, uh, I, I didn't have this testimony where I grew up uh, just doing, I wasn't a drug dealer. I wasn't in a gang. I didn't like, if you were to look at how God has redeemed me in one area of my life, it's with my finances. So I'm, I'm fired up about this. And I've seen what it is like to have poor financial wisdom and what it's like to have wise financial wisdom. And so I grew up in church. And so I heard what to do with 10% of my money was tithe. And so I grew up tithing all the time. But one of the messages I didn't hear, I'm not saying they didn't preach it. I'm just saying I didn't hear it. If one of the messages I didn't hear is what do I do with the 90%? I get God gets 10%, but what do I do with the 90%? And because I didn't have wisdom and carry out what to do with the 90%, I mismanaged money for years, 90%. And that led to heartache and pain. True story, my first student loan check. This is so embarrassing. My first student loan check. I get a check. I play baseball in college, and I get this check. And instead of thinking it's a student loan, I just think it's free money. I tell all the guys on the baseball team, hey, guys, we're going out to dinner. My treat. I just got paid. Like, that's a true, like, how dumb is that? I paid for that dinner for the next, like, 20 years, Okay. So I come with this, this kind of this idea where I mismanaged finances. I wasn't aware of God's plan for it. And then I meet my wife, TJ, AKA my boo. And she, she was so wise. She was so disciplined with her money. She knew exactly what the word of God said, and she just nailed it to a T. And so I don't know how your marriage works, but when the two of us came together, you got to move forward with one or the other, and you can guess who won that argument, okay? Thank goodness she did, and she began to teach me what the word of God says, and we began to, to go through classes together. Uh, uh, we went through Crown Financial Ministries. We went through Financial Peace University. And I began to get fired up of what I was learning and how it, it freed me up and gave me margin to do what God's called me to do. And so this is something that I want for you. So please, please don't turn off just because we're talking about finances. Another reason I'm passionate about this, this is a message I want to give to my kids. My kids are right over here and they're listening. This is a message I want them to hear that I wish I would have heard. So I'm passionate about this. We have this verse for this series from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary 
and burden, and I will give you rest. I wonder how many of us are burdened financially today. And Jesus says, come to me. Everybody that's financially, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. Another phrase for rest is margin. When we come to Jesus and we do things biblically, he gives us margin. Some of you are like, man, how are you going to talk about finances? Don't you know the economy is crazy right now? And I think that's exactly why we should talk about God's finances. And I, I, am, I am with you. I'm paying the same bills that you're paying. Like, man, my bills are going, they're, they're skyrocketing. My, my mom texted me a couple weeks ago. She said, uh, can you believe it? I'm at Trader Joe's and, Trader Joe's and eggs are $7.99. I didn't know how to respond. Like, is that a lot? Is that a little? I don't know which Trader Joe's. I don't know anything about this text. Okay. Like I don't, I don't buy eggs. Last time I bought eggs was in high school and I used them to throw them at people. Like, I don't know. I know groceries are going up. I get that. So I understand that, that bills are going up. I understand all of that. These are some stats I want to share with you. These are pre COVID stats. 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 64. And here's, here's the fallacy that we can accidentally buy into. Well, yeah, I'm living paycheck to paycheck because my income is so low. If I got paid more, I wouldn't live paycheck to paycheck. I get the, the mindset of that. It's just not true. Because 45% of people that make $100,000 or more, 45% are living paycheck to paycheck. 47% of people making $150,000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck. 28% of people making $200,000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck. So this is not an income problem. It's a stewardship problem. It's not about how much we make. It's what do we do with the money that we do make? And that's what I want to talk about today. There's a guy in the Bible. His name's Solomon. Says he's the richest person ever to live. Not only is he the richest person ever to live, says he's the wisest person ever to live. And I don't know how you are, but I love learning from people. And if, if Solomon were to come out with a book, and say, hey, here's some tips and tricks on how I made all my money and wisdom. Or if he had a podcast, I would listen to that podcast. I would read that book. And thankfully, he actually wrote down some of those things in a book we call the book of Proverbs, which is in the Bible. And so when we're talking about God's wisdom, all, anybody that you see that's winning financially in life, more than likely they got it from the Bible, from Proverbs. It all comes from the Bible. Before we dive into how to gain financial margin, the first thing I want us to understand is this. God owns it all. Well, what do you mean? Are you saying he owns all my money? No, it ain't your money. He owns all his money. Not only does he own his money, he owns your car. You're thinking, man, I don't even own my car. The bank owns my car. Well, he owns the bank. He owns your clothes. He owns your boat. He owns everything. He owns the air that I breathe. And when we start out with understanding that God owns it all, that takes pressure off of us because now I'm not an owner. I'm a manager. And I don't know if you've ever owned a house versus renting a house. Owning a house is a lot harder. I've rented a house. I didn't have near the pressure and stress that I did of owning one. You see, he owns it all. Our job is just to manage it. And it starts with that. God owns it all. So here are four steps to gaining financial margin. Are y'all with me? We good? Yes. All right, come on. Four steps to gaining financial margin. First one is this. Create a spending plan, a.k.a. a budget. Some of y'all are like, man, what's the next step? 
Like, give me step two. You're like, that sounds like it takes work. It does take work. This is what Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says. Be sure to know the condition of your stocks. I mean, flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. What this is saying is pay attention to your business. Pay attention to your finances. Pay attention to your checking account. Pay attention to your subscriptions that automatically renew every month, every year. Pay attention because it's not yours, it's God's. It's all his. And so does it take time and energy? Yes. Find me something that's easy and successful at the same time. You can't do it. Yes, it's going to take time. It's going to take discipline. But we are called to pay attention to what God has entrusted us. I remember the first time I did this. This will date how long ago this is. I don't know how many of y'all remember or used to like Friday nights at Blockbuster. Come on now. Yeah, y'all are the ones that got there before me. Some of y'all are like getting there at four o'clock. To rent that. These young people have no idea what we're talking about. Okay. So I did a, I did a little experiment when I was getting my finances in order. I remember this so vividly because it, it, um, it just wrecked me. Like I, it, was, it wrecked me. If you were to ask me how much money did I spend a month at Blockbuster, I would have said maybe eight to $10 a month. Maybe eight to 10. But then I found some tools and I started tracking. I was able to retro track the past 12 months of my life. Come to find out I was paying $22 a month to Blockbuster. Some of you are like, well, that's not a lot of money. That's not a big deal. It is a big deal because the money's not mine. It's a really big deal. Here's why. I thought I was spending eight to 10. In fact, I was doubling that. And you would never know that unless you create a spending plan. That's why it's important. Because if I were to ask you, how much do you spend eating out? I don't know, maybe a couple hundred dollars. Do you track it? And it's like $900. Or if I were to ask you, how often do you go to Starbucks? How much do you do that? How much? You would say, I don't know, maybe this. That's why we track it to figure out, okay, where, are, where is it going? And is that actually where I want it to go? Is that where God wants it to go? And so we got to create a spending plan. And so after I had my blockbuster encounter, literally... I just begin to bawl and repent. I ask God for forgiveness. And some of you are like, is it bad to spend $22 a month on Blockbuster? Some of you are like, man, I spend $50 a month on Blockbuster. Is it bad? No, it's not bad to spend 20. You could, if God gives you the green light, you can do whatever you want. I'm not saying it's bad. What was bad is I didn't know where it was going and I was mismanaging the little bit that God had given me. That's what was wrong. So I confessed it, I repented, and then I stopped the bleeding. And that's what we're called to do. Confess, repent, stop the bleeding. Proverbs 21.5 says this. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to po poverty. This is what I believe. I believe financial margin has more to do with budgeting than how much you make. Let me say that again. I think financial margin has more to do with healthy budgeting than actually how much income you bring home. The wise, Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I'm not saying fools spend whatever they get. God's saying fools spend whatever they get. Whatever they get, it's in, it's out, it's gone. 
And you do that, it doesn't take long to live like that before you're eventually in debt. I saw this play out when I was 13 years old. I was on a baseball team and we were able to travel from Orlando, Florida to Minnesota and we played in this fun tournament. And it was like a two week long tournament and it was awesome. We were treated like royalty. It was just really, really cool experience. So we saved up money. We did car wash. We did all that. We had all this cash because we had to pay for our meals, souvenirs. We had to pay for everything. And so uh, we all had a bunch of cash with us. My best friend on the team, his name's David. The first 24 to 48 hours, he, he notices kind of in this exhibit hall that there's a baseball card collector. And so he comes to me with all these baseball cards within the first day or two. And he says, look at all these cards I bought. I was like, where'd you get all that money? How much of your money did you spend? And he said, all of it. I was like, man. I was like, it's only day two. How are you going to eat? Like, what is your plan? He goes, well, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I was like, David, my man. So he had to mooch for the next 12 days. And I remember from a young age, understanding that that's not a healthy, fun game of life. There was no margin. There was no freedom. He was dependent upon what other people would give him and when and where to eat and how to eat all this stuff. And what God has done, John 10, 10, he's come to give you freedom. Not to, he didn't die on a cross to make you free and then only for ourselves to go back into slavery. He's called you to live free, but that's what debt does is it puts us back into bondage. I was listening to Pastor Rick Warren and he was talking on this and he said one of the person uh, in his church had a, a purchase impulse problem. And so uh, one of the things that she would do is take all the credit cards, put them in a bowl, fill the bowl with water and then take that bowl and put it in the freezer. And so anytime she felt like, man, I just want to impulse buy, it actually would take a long time because the ice would have to melt. I thought, that's great. Some of y'all are thinking, man, what a dummy. Why didn't she just stick it in the microwave? If that's you, you need to get up right now and go sign up for Financial Peace University. Right now. Right now. Just go right now. It's okay. We'll wait. Like, if that is that, like, man, Financial Peace University is geared for you. This is what we as a church, we don't want to just give messages, give sermons, and say good luck. We want to give you tools. We want to walk alongside you. For FPU, Financial Peace University, is one of the, the classes my wife and I went to, to help in our journey. And it's, it's incredible. It starts this week. If you've never been through FPU or if you haven't been through it in a long time, I highly encourage you. This is not a class just for people that are, 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 are broken financially or in debt. It will help you, give you tools, but some of you, you have more than enough, and you're like, man, I don't know what my next financial wise step should be. This will help you. Wherever you're at in your finances, FPU is a great place to start. We got great teachers. They'd love to help you every step of the way. You can sign up online or out in the atrium uh, at both campuses. What FPU is going to help you do is learn to be debt-free, but here's the thing you got to do before that. You got to make a choice to be debt-free. After you make a choice to be debt-free, you have to make a plan to be debt-free. It doesn't matter how much I wish and pray to be debt-free. If I don't create a plan like God's called me to, I'm not going to be debt-free. I follow the biblical wisdom of God. So here's the challenge. Make a list of what you own, owe, earn, and where it's all going. That's a challenge. Step two. Y'all still with me? All right, come on. Step two, save for the future. I don't know if you know this, but the average family in Japan saves about 20% of their income. It's pretty impressive. 
The average family in Europe saves about 18% of their income. The average family in America spends 1% more than we bring home. We're in the negative one. And y'all are like, I know why they're saving up for Disney and we don't have to. I get it. I get it. Now I know how they make it happen. 2 Corinthians 12, 14, children should not have to save for their parents, but parents for their children. So why is it so, like, why is it so smart to save money? Because if the refrigerator breaks down, you don't. You know that? That's why, that's why we save. The refrigerator you have right now at some point is going to break down. The car you have at some point will break down. The roof you have at some point will leak. And that is why we have a savings account. So that when the refrigerator breaks down, you don't. You see, there is a biblical response when we have our money to save for the future. But it's important that you understand this. We don't save to hoard. We save out of wisdom. And there is a difference. Part of it is we can never see it on the outside. You know why. Are you saving to hoard? Or are you saving out of wisdom? And this is why saving is always tethered to generosity, which brings me to number three, return 10% back to God. Some of you are like, oh, here he goes. There's a pastor. I wish I could tell you how many success stories there were in my life alone, much less how many I've heard of people that begin to trust God with their finances. God came around and blessed them like never before. Every amen that you just heard is is another story. Every amen you just heard is another story. It's, It's stepping out and trusting God, and God loves to bless people that trust him. It's just a fact. The Elon Musk of a previous generation was a guy named John D. Rockefeller. He said this, someone once asked him one time, how do you make your wealth? He said, it's the 10, 10, 80 principle. He said, all my life, the first 10% I tied to God, the second 10% I'd put into savings, the third 80% I'd live on the rest. I give 10% to God, 10% to savings, and then I live on 80%. This is a great principle. Many financial, Christian financial advisors, this is what they would tell you, is give the first 10%, save the second 10%, and live off 80%. I'll tell you, there is no biblical number for savings. That 10% just was a, is a wise number, but we don't see anywhere in scripture on how, what the percent that we should save. We do see a percent when it comes to tithing, but not saving. So this is more just a healthy rule of thumb. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring to my storehouse a full 10th of what you earn. Test me in this, says Lord, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. You see, it's not just 10%. It's the first 10%. You see, there's something that God loves about being number one in our life. It's a priority. The Old Testament, they had this problem in so many things, and we called them idols. We don't call them idols now. We just call them toys. We just, we just, call, we just do whatever we want. But a lot of them are idols. That's why Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's the cool part. When you trust God with their first 10%, he comes around and he takes care of everything else. And you end up having so much faith in God. I love that. Step four, be content and act your wage. 
This is what Dave Ramsey talks about. Act your wage. Be content. I love that. Be content and act your wage. And here's a graph that I want to introduce you to. If this is all there is to have, this is like every single thing in the world. Okay? Everything there is in the world. And this is what you currently have. Everything here in between is your level of contentment. Everything. And I'll just speak for some of my circles and some of my generation. What we've done in our late 20s and early 30s in my generation is we've seen what our parents have in their 60s. And we say, we want what they have after it's taken a lifetime for them to get. We want that right now. We deserve that cable package. We deserve Netflix. We deserve that neighborhood. We deserve that car. And so what we end up doing is overextending ourselves because it took a lifetime because we were not content. Our level of contentment was here. But our level of income was here, and it's gotten us into trouble. 1 Timothy 6, 6 talks about this. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Pastor, are you saying that, I, uh, that it's a sin for me to make a lot of money? Absolutely not. That's not what this is saying. I, there are people that God has uniquely gifted you to make a lot of money, and you should never apologize about that. But why you make that money and how you use that money is the difference. Do you, I, know, I know incredibly successful businessmen and women that use their, their God-given leadership for the kingdom, and it's beautiful. And I tell them, you deserve it. You need to stay right where you're at. Keep doing what you're doing. You're a, a bright light in the corporate world. One of the things we need to do is distinguish the difference between needs and wants. Like what we need is water, sunshine, occasional Miami Dolphin win. Like that's what we need. I said occasional. I'm not getting crazy. Okay. And what some of us do is we, we don't realize we do this. We accidentally change the words. Instead of saying, I want something, we say, I need it. I need a Starbucks. You want a Starbucks. It's okay to want it, but you don't need it. I need a night out with the guys. No, you don't. You want it. It's not bad to want it, but you don't need it. And that's part of what we do to justify spending money when we don't have it. Is it bad to buy Starbucks? Is it bad to go out with the guys? Absolutely not. If you have it in your budget. But when you start saying, I need it now, it doesn't matter if it's in your budget because you've convinced yourself you have to have it. You've worked an incredibly long 40 hours this week. You have to have it. It's like, no, you're capable of more. You're capable of more contentment. J.I. Packer says this with discontentment. Discontentment will destroy your peace, rob your joy, make you miserable, and spoil your witness. Now listen, I'm not going to quote Jim Carrey behind this pulpit often. It might be the only time, but he's got a great quote. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. You know how many famous people I've heard this line from? They said, listen, fame, I thought fame would do it. I thought money would do it. I thought this, I thought influence. But nothing can fill the God-shaped hole that is in our life, that is in our soul. It doesn't matter how much you make. 
God can only do that. And God wants to give you, as Jared Packer said, peace, love, and joy. Several weeks ago, I got some news. We did a, a message recently on serving. And this one couple had been coming here for about a year and they really wanted to serve, but they owned their own business and they weren't able to really uh, serve in some of the opportunities that we had. They, they've been to serve day. They've gone through rooted. They, God's moving in their heart. And they're like, man, we just want to do more, but kind of we're limited in some of what we could do. And so they, they heard the message. They went out to lunch and they kept their eyes open. And the waitress came to take the order and the waitress seemed dis distracted and a little frustrated. And so they begin to inquire, hey, what's going on? She said, ah, don't worry about it. They said, no, what's, what's up? And they said, well, the previous person, they had a gift card and they said that it was enough for their bill and a generous tip. And they left it and walked out and it wasn't even enough to cover the bill. So now I got to cover their expense and I don't get tipped. And they begin to watch and the waitress ended up taking really good care of them. And so they begin to talk and they said, hey, why don't why don't we do something? So what they ended up doing was paying for their bill with a generous tip, their previous bill with an even more generous tip. Gave it to the waitress. The waitress ended up seeing it, tracked them down and said, hey, listen, I know you don't know my story, but I'm a single mom and you have no idea how much this blessed me. You have no idea how much this blessed me. Do you know why they were able to do that as a couple? Because they had financial margin. That's what financial margin allows you to do. It allows you to have fun. Because listen, giving money away is fun. It's fun. That's why Jesus says in Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than receive. You could ask this couple, you could ask anybody else, you could ask a parent when, when they give their five-year-old some gifts on Christmas morning, man, that's fun. It is more blessed to give than receive especially when they're five, because they're just giving you a coupon book. I mean, come on. And Jesus is like, and anybody that's ever given would always nod their head. Yes, it is more fun to give than receive. And so many of us, we want to give. Our heart to give is so big, but our ability to give is so small. And what God wants to do is give you margin so you can have peace and so that when he whispers to you, hey, See that waitress? Why don't you make her year? You can simply say, yes, sir. And you could do it. I love that. I love that. Some of you are like, pastor, you are off your rocker. In this economy, you want me to somehow magically come up with 10% to tithe and then 10% to save. And somehow you want me to magically live off 80%. Well, I'd say, no, that's not what I would say. I would say, that's what God would say. And I would also say this. I started off the message with this good news. God owns it all. And you're like, pastor, how am I going to give, save, and then live off 80%? I say, it's easy. I know a guy that owns it all. And he is for you. Some of you are so upside down financially. You, you think you're just going to keep doing things the way you've always done them. And somehow that's going to magically work. And God says, hey, why don't you just give it over to me? Why don't you just start applying these financial principles and just watch what I can do in your life? Just this week, I was able to hear from a lady. She's in her mid-50s. She's been a Christian all her life, been tithing 10% all her life. But again, kind of like me, she didn't know how to handle the 90%. And she said, you know what? I need to really 
get my finances on order. This was several years ago. She began to confess to God. She repented, got her financial house in order. She said, God, would you help me get out of debt? Would you help me do X, Y, Z? And the goals were enormous. I mean, she was in massive debt. And she began to pray to a God that owns it all. Listen, she works for the government. And in that year, that entire year, she got four raises. Never once has she gotten more raise in a year in, in, in her decades of, of her life. And the moment she began to trust God, she got four raises. She's debt free and she's got margin to live for more. That's what we want for you, not from you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father God, we, we thank you. God, we love you. God, I, uh, I repent of so many times that I've been a knucklehead with your finances. God, and there's, if we were to all raise our hand, I have a feeling there would be a room full of people along with me just raising our hand and saying, man, we mismanaged your money at some point. And so God, would you, would you forgive us when we just bought things without asking you, without checking with you, God, would you forgive us for the times that we've not been generous, we've been stingy, when we've not had margin to save or to tithe? And God, would you help us to live out Matthew 6, 33, that we would put you first in everything and trust that you take care of the rest. God, many of us in this room, we have made you the CEO of our lives. We, we put you in charge of our lives, but we've not allowed you to be the CFO the chief financial officer. And so today we make you the CFO. Would you be the chief financial officer of our lives? And would we obey whatever it is you call us to do? God, I pray for the family, the person, the individual that is so stressed right now, so upside down with their finances. God, would you give them faith and would you give them a little blessing? God, would you give us faith and then would you help us to get to financial freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordy Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Jordy Christian Church, please go to jordychristian.com.